What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the I'm like a TIS podcast with your host, Jai Shields. Got lots of stuff to talk to you today. I'm going to touch on the two college football playoff games that's happening today. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl between number three ranked Notre Dame and number two ranked Clemson. Then I'll then after that I'll touch on the uh, Capital One Orange Bowl happening down in Miami between the Oklahoma Sooners and the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. I'll touch on that. I'll break down Week 16 action that happened in the NFL last week, as well as I'll go over the playoff implications that are at stake for tomorrow's Week 17 action. And, of course, I'll give you, give you my picks at the end of the program. But first things first, because the game, at the time I'm recording this, the game's going to start in about 15 minutes from now. I'll do the uh, Cotton Bowl Classic first, and then I'll do the Orange Bowl second, then do a break, and then I'll get to the NFL. Um, but the Cotton Bowl Classic, one of the two semifinals between... Uh, the fourth one of the two semifinals that's going to decide who plays in the college football national championship in about a few weeks. Um, number three seeded Notre Dame non-conference going up against number two seeded Clemson, who won the championship a few years ago with Deshaun Watson at quarterback, who's now, of course, the starting quarterback of the uh, Houston Texans. Meanwhile, Notre Dame, this is their first time in a good little while being here. They were, in, they, I believe they were in a national championship game a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they played Florida State, but not newfound territory for them, but first time being in a situation where they can compete for a chance to win the uh, national title. So... It's I tell you, it's the first uh, trip for the for the uh, Clemson in the Cotton Bowl since 1940. Uh, I tell you, it's going to be a great game between these two teams. Both of these teams, of course, Clemson has one more win because Notre Dame, of course, does not play in a, a conference, so they don't so they uh, so they don't play in a conference or a championship game. Everything, every other sport, they're part of the ACC, but football, they're an independent. Um, Mr. Book has, Mr. Book, he's had a great season so far. He's thrown for 2,468 passing yards, 19 touchdowns, six interceptions. It's going to be very, it's going to be very important and very vital to to Notre Dame's success in order for them to win this game. Their Clemson is favored at minus two touchdowns, minus thirteen points. But you can see why as as their quarterback, uh Mr. Lawrence, stone for two thousand six hundred and six passing yards with twenty four touchdowns and four interceptions. The running game, although of Clemson, is is stronger than uh Notre Dame's running game as their running back, Mr. Etienne has rushed for 1,463 yards and 21 touchdowns with 176 carries. Wow. Their guy, Williams, has ran, has rushed the ball 442 times with 941 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. The receivers just about even. Just receiver talent, at least with their leading receivers, are just about even. But I think it's going to be very important for 
You know, Clemson, you know, they're not going to say boo. You know, they won a national championship. They've, you know, they playing that weak ACC. Uh, so if they lose this game, you know, it, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them because they, again, they won with Deshaun Watson a few years ago. But Notre Dame, this is important if you're Notre Dame. Notre Dame, of course, is one of those schools that, you know, the students and the fan base and the alumni walk around think, look at us, we're Notre Dame. We invented college football and they basically, you know, and look at us, you know, we, we had, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, it'll come to me in a minute, but look at us, we're Notre Dame, you know, we had Joe Montana, we... You know, woohoo, we're Notre Dame fighting Irish and everything else, and they haven't had much to show for it as far as their uh, recent recent uh, history is concerned with championships. So, even though they're favored, even though Clemson is favored at minus 13 points, Notre Dame, in order for them to make a little noise, they gotta go in. They gotta go in and beat Clemson and try to make a shot for a national championship because this is a team that, you know. Ha, does not have a uh, strong track record as of late of performing well in these spots. I think they, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think they, they're they like 0 for 4 in um thing like the Orange Bowl or something or something of that nature. But it's very important for them to, it's very important for them to win, to win today because they need, they need this win. They need it under they they need this one to be quite they they need it they need it they need it and they need it they need it this is a school that you know likes to act like that they that they invented college football and they like to they like oh look at us we're Notre Dame we got the gold helmets with or the fighting Irish and everything else but this is a school that ha that has to realize that no, if, if if they don't get it done today, you know, they're going there. They they're going to be critiqued not just by me, but they're going to be critiqued by everyone around uh, the college football world as you know one of those f uh, franchises that has failed to get it done as of late. You know, they haven't won since 19, if I said correctly, I think they haven't won since 1988, you know, you know, with the Catholics versus convicts and, uh, and going and, you know, just being Notre Dame. They haven't, you know, they haven't, they haven't, uh, done anything as of late. Their last championship was, yes, in 19... Was uh, nineteen was nineteen eighty eight. That was over thirty years ago, and this is like I said, Notre Dame, who thinks that they invented a uh, college football with their hundred and two All Americans and seven Heisman Trophy winners. This is a team that has to has to show up today. That has to show up and has to play uh, good football. Brian Kelly, you know he. He got him. He got him there about a few years ago to the national championship game, but they they have to show up. They have to show up. It's just not enough state. They have to show up. Clemson, on the other hand, you know, you know they they can live. 
you know, Dabo Sweeney's in his 10th year. You know, he's won them a national championship game. They play in a completely weak, pathetic ACC. They ran over. They beat Pittsburgh 42-10 to in the ACC championship game. They completely, they completely, you know, run everybody out the building that they play. But, you know, they're not, they're not going to scream boo because, you know, they won a national championship back in 2016 with uh with uh Deshaun Watson so that they're not they're not going to uh, say boo if they don't if they don't uh, win any if they uh, lose if they lose and keep in mind if they do win the game they beat Alabama 35-31 a few years ago they beat they have a, if they win today's game they have a good shot of uh Knocking off Alabama, and they and they have a fantastic shot, a fantastic opportunity to do so. Switching gears to the Orange Bowl between OU, that is University of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Sooners going up against the Alabama Crimson Tide, that will happen at eight o'clock. In uh, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, or I was just there, matter of fact, and and I was, you know, a matter of fact, I was in the airport waiting for my seven o'clock flight this time last Saturday, and all you could see was the they had the uh or they had the Orange Bowl advertisements all throughout the airport, you know, already in in a week's time, so you know those people down in South Florida they're ready for it, but um. Alabama, they you know they won their national championship last year, with and they had the concert between Tua and uh, Draylen Hurts, so you had that going. So, wow, Michigan, holy crap, is getting dest- is getting destroyed thirty four to fifteen, and I gotta hear about John Harbaugh now. Oh my, he he, like I said. He's got to be out the door. So overrated, man. They're getting crushed forty to. They're getting crushed forty to fifteen, against the. Uh, actually, well, they lost. They lost forty-one to fifteen against ten, ten and three, ten, number ten ranked Florida, and I got to take Michigan seriously as a uh, as a football team and uh, our little pal, uh, Jim Harbaugh. Oh my gosh, I've had enough of him. But Oklahoma, they come in as the underdog, twelve and one, ranked four, going up against Alabama, thirteen and zero. Had a great comeback in the SEC championship game against Georgia, where Georgia yet again choked another uh, game in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium to the Crimson Tide, like they did in the uh, championship game last year. Uh, Oklahoma with a new quarterback. Now remember, the last time Oklahoma was in this situation. They played Georgia in the uh, Rose Bowl last year. They had, and that's going to lead to me having another bone to pick with uh, Baker Mayfield uh, later on in the program. But they had Baker Mayfield last year, you know, completely spit up the joint and spit and gaffed all over himself in that game against Georgia. And and when the Time came and when the chance had to come for him to bring his team home, he couldn't do it. So, you know, we shall see what happens tonight against uh, Alabama. I think Alabama is going to play phenomenal football in the game. Would not be surprised if the game, you know, gets out of hand. 
Alabama's favorite at minus 14 points, so that's by two touchdowns. Wouldn't be surprised if this game leads to a, uh, you know, it's a blowout by halftime. Would not be surprised. And then Nick Saban, you know, was the Bill Belichick of college football. He has a phenomenal system, phenomenal job recruiting. His roster's top-notch and everything else. Uh, so don't be surprised if you see a blowout later tonight. That Alabama defense, you know, they hunt, kill, and destroy when it comes to uh, their opponent's offenses. And look to expect to see Alabama in, in another uh, college football uh, national championship game. So take a break. Come back. Do week 16 in the NFL. Starting with Nick Foles working his magic against... Deshaun Watson and the Texans. We're back right after this. Welcome back to the Like a TIS podcast. Uh, switching gears now to Nick Foles and the, excuse me, the Philadelphia Eagles, who won yet another football game, trying to make that last effort push to sneak into the playoffs and try to uh, defend their Super Bowl title. They won. They uh, they're eight and seven heading into Week 17's game. Uh, I believe that's against the Redskins, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they beat the Texans 32 to 30. Texans 10 and five. Uh, still have a shot to win the second seed in the AFC, but they gotta hope that the Patriots lose because the Patriots have the uh, tiebreaker over the uh, Texans as they beat them. Back in September, Zach Ertz uh, made a little bit of history on uh, Sunday. Hey, he had a big game. I'll get to that in a minute. But Zach Ertz had the most receptions by a tight end in NFL history. So you had that record uh, for him. Congratulations to uh, Zach Ertz. Meanwhile, he did he did pretty well himself besides getting that record. He had a 12 reception, 110 receiving yards game, was targeted 16 times, caught two touchdown passes. Nelson Aguilar didn't have a bad day either. Five receptions, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Alshon Jeffrey, three receptions, 82 yards. How about Darren Sproles, huh? What a story he's had. Three receptions and 76 yards and a touchdown. Catch four. Darren Sproles, who's been in the league a little, who's been in the league a long time, who's had to battle through his fair share of injuries in the league, how 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 about a uh, good good day for him? And on the gr- and on the ground, you know, nothing to sneeze at. But even still, it just shows how much of still of a competent uh, asset he can be in your offense. Nick Foles, what can I say about him? He worked his magic yet again. 35 for 49, 471 passing yards. Most passing yards, it's one of the most passing yards he's ever thrown in a game. And uh, four touchdowns and one interception. I mean, what? How about that? I mean, Nick, Nick Foles. I mean, most passing yards in a game in Eagles history. So he has that record. I mean, you gotta love Nick Foles. I mean, he carries himself well. He he's a leader. He's a he's a he's a real definition of of what you want 
a football player or an athlete in any team sport to be. Supports his teammates, uh, supports his teammates, puts the work in, works hard, you know, respects and loves pretty much everybody, you know, knows when, knows how and when to play his role on the team and when to maximize it to to the fullest strength and his fullest advantage. I mean, how can you not like Nick Foles? Not to mention, like I said last week, the Eagles just play better when Nick Foles is in the offense. Granted, the defense gave up 32 points, but even but just the comeback they had late in the game. I mean, how, I mean, how about it? Nick Nick Foles making key passes down the field to with his receivers with Alshon Jeffrey and uh, and uh, Aguilar and Ertz. I mean, boy, did they come in handy late, late in that game. And Nick, like I said, offense with Foles, they averaged 31 points a game, 450 total yards per game, 300, and he averages about 366 pack, passing yards per game. Look at Carson Wentz. Offense averages 22 points a game, 358 total yards per game, which still is nothing to sneeze at. And Wentz averages 261 yards per passing yards per game. So, like I said last week, that offense just does better and just has more overall confidence in Nick Foles than they do Carson Wentz. Now they pretty now they probably don't feel that way towards him. You know, you go up to him and ask him that same question I just said. You know, they'll say, No, 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 it's it's not like that. Well the number you know, numbers are what they are and stats and numbers don't lie and it and it shows and it proves that that offense just plays better and trusts Nick Foles more then they uh, trust and believe and play better with Carson Wentz. And, you know, it's just one of those weird things, you know. And Nick Foles said that that might have been his last Eagle home game ever because, you know, someone is going to ask, you know. i tell you one thing. The the brother can play. The man can play and be a competent and be a successful starting quarterback in the National Football League. And if he decides to leave the Eagles to go to another team, that other team is going to that uh, that other team has a, a good quarterback on their hands. Let uh, I tell you, I I tell I tell you a team who who I tell you right now, I'd be calling up the Eagles and asking for a service. I think he's a free agent after this year, but even still, I'd be calling a team I'd be calling up to get Nick Foles. Tell you who, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nick Foles on the Jacksonville Jaguars. First of all, you get Blake Bortles up out of town. That's the first thing. So you you get you get yourself a quarterback. You get Nick Foles. You get him in there. You learn him. You teach him the system. You hope for you hope and pray that for you know for Nick gets himself healthy during the off season. You hope and pray he's not as he does not is not as injury plagued as he was this year. You get one of your, you get one of your uh, star receivers back because remember he tore his ACL before the season started back in August. So you get him back, and then you get Fournette. Jalen Ramsey is still a big time guy on defense. Just that, that defense, you know, they got a uh, they got a, a sharp piece of humble pie, you know, this season. And believe me, they're going to sit up here and try to work their butts off to become the team that they were 
back in 2017. And this time, hopefully, not make me look like an idiot predicting him to go to the Super Bowl. But anyway, it's getting off the beaten path. But Nick Foles in Jacksonville, to me, it makes sense. But like, but back to him and the Eagles. I just, I, it's, it's just a, I mean, he. He's a quarterback that you that when you watch him play, you root for him and you want him to be successful. I mean, for the people that find that despise the Philadelphia Eagles for whatever the he gives those people that despise he makes them to the Eagle haters a little bit likable. You know? It's it, it's the it's that feel good underdog type of Rocky story, and you know that. And with Nick Foles, I mean, you know everyone loves a good you know hard fought underdog uh, story, and Nick Foles gave it to us. And Nick Foles is like Rocky in real life, but in football, you know, I, I, there's nothing else to describe it. He he's just a likable guy who put who's a fabulous, great teammate, a great person who makes plays late in games when the team needs him the most and he's and he's not afraid to show up in prime time when it matters in crunch time late in games and I I just give all all the credit and I just give all you know give him all the credit in the world for being able to doing so knowing how to play that role being the backup on the bench knowing you're not the team's future and knowing that you're not the team's franchise quarterback but still keeping humble and still keeping poised, even when you have a Super Bowl MVP and a Super Bowl ring in your locker, in your trophy case. On top of all that, and just knowing when, and just knowing when it's your time, and knowing when it's your time, and your numbers called, it's time for you to go out there and shine and play football. I mean, and you heard how much the when he got uh, when he got the wind knocked out of him in late in the game during that uh, game during that uh, game winning drive. You you get there was the crowd was chanting falls 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 falls. You know when he sit and he got the wind knocked out of him, but you would just hear you hear the crowd chanting falls 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 falls. You know the the city of Philadelphia Philadelphia loves Nick Foles. They love him. They 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 will forever be in debt to Nick Foles for giving them for giving them their first Super Bowl championship, and giving them their first championship in over fifty years. They will forever be in debt and forever will love Nick Foles for doing that. And there's nothing that that he can do and nothing he can change that will cause anything different. You know, Nick Foles won't go to the Hall of Fame, but he'll be he'll be inducted into the Eagles Hall of Fame and probably probably get his number nine number retired. You know that they love Nick, and when he got and when he got up under his own power, and when he got up under his own power, they started clapping. But then when he was out for play and then came back in, I mean, you could hear. I mean, the crowd went nuts. They love Nick Foles, and I, I don't know if it's. You know, and I hear rumors that Carson Wentz isn't as coachable and is a little bit more stubborn and more hard-headed than Nick Foles is. Nick Foles is more of like a yes, sir, no, sir. 
You know, you know, if he's told to run a play, he runs the play the way the coach wants to play run. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz will kind of like debate and try to fight off people. You know, I've heard rumors of that, especially during the uh, broadcast yesterday. But it's just when Nick Foles is starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, Everything around that team and around that city is better. Heck, even the water and the food probably tastes better because Nick Foles is a starting coach. I don't know what it is, but I don't know. I, 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 you might call me stupid for saying this, but I would try to entertain, you know, trading Carson Wentz and seeing what you get for him in return and, and giving Nick Foles the big money. Because really, those are the quarterbacks that deserve to be making $84 million a year. Not the Kirk Cousins and the uh, and the uh, Matt Staffords of the world who every single time you turn around spit the bit and, and, uh, and vomit all over themselves when push comes to shove in a clutch situation in the game. That's Those are the guys who should be making 84 uh, a million dollars a year. Guys like Nick Foles, not, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, massive effort. But anyway, shifting gears now to the New Orleans Saints and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in deep, deep, deep trouble. The Pittsburgh Steelers are now in a situation where not only do they have to beat my bungles tomorrow at 425 in Pittsburgh, but they also need help from who their oldest rival in the in the league the two teams that were in the NFL during the NFL AFL days two teams that have been around since the 1950s that's how far back they go the Cleveland Browns that's who they have to de- that's who they have to depend they have to depend on the Cleveland Browns to come into here, Baltimore, Maryland, Empty Bank Stadium at 425 with 71,000 screaming, raucous fans that are going to be whooping it up in Empty Bank Stadium this time tomorrow afternoon. They're going, they have to depend on Baker Mayfield to go in there and to basically be a la Andy Dalton last year, New Year's Eve, against the Ravens and completely put on an absolute show and send the Baltimore Ravens crowd home happy with no playoffs for, this, for I believe, the third, fourth straight year in a row. With back-to-back years, VA, their own choking at home on week, in week 17 of the season. That's what they have to rely upon. And I wasn't stupid. I wasn't going to, I knew good well that Pittsburgh was not going to do the impossible and go into New Orleans, which is a pit to play in, especially this season and this time of the year. I knew good and well they weren't going to go into New Orleans and, and, beat, the, and beat the Saints. 
I, I wasn't stupid enough. And I, I, I picked the Saints. Th- I thought it was going to be a low-scoring game. You know, obviously it wasn't. I knew it was going to be a low-scoring game or a high-scoring game. No way was but still, like I, I knew the impossible. Yeah, they beat Brady and Belichick, but the Saints are better than, than the Patriots. So, and, and I told you, and I told you last week, I told you, that, that win they had against the Patriots said more about the Patriots than it did about the Steelers. And, and, it, and it proved itself yet again. I mean, they had to play a near-perfect game. Ben Roethlisberger surely did. 30, 33 for 50, 380 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He didn't turn over the football. They would, they would have liked a better game out of uh, Jalen Samuels to carry 53 yards, but hey. But Antonio Brown, who was getting double-teamed nearly the entire game, he he played he balled his heart out. Fourteen receptions, hundred and eighty five yards, two touchdown passes. Juju Smith Schuster. Feel sorry for the brother for fumbling late in the game. But he is another superstar on that team that has emer- that has taken Le'Veon's place as their third offensive star on the team. He know he didn't have a touchdown, but he had eleven receptions, hundred and fifteen yards in the game. He didn't play bad, no neither. But if Mike Tomlin hadn't gone for that fake, that asinine decision to go for the fake punt in the in, uh, in the game, you know, the Steelers probably could have won that game. And the ref, and like that was that was the most egregious, most oblivious form of ref ball you're ever going to see. With the, I mean, calling oh, with the ticky tack penalties, the ticky tack, you know, the pass interference. I mean, come on, let, let the. Well, I have to. What, how many times do I have to tell these officials to let the game freaking breathe and to let the game, you know, play out itself between the two competitors that are out there on the field. No one. And I remember I said it with the uh, Serena thing with with the Serena thing. Back in September, no one wants to pay and wants to, you get charged an arm and a leg enough. On top of the idea of having to pay for parking and having to sit through that long traffic in New, it's bad enough you have to go through all that and pay for PSL. It's bad enough you have to go through all that and then go to a and then go to the football game and have to and have to deal with the refs in, interjecting themselves into the game. It's bad enough you have, to, you have to put up with all that. I mean, refs, leave the game alone, okay? If there's a little light hand fighting or a little light tug, or a little, let the game play out. We pay good money, whether it's the cable bill or whether it's the the uh, the parking passes, the parking passes, par- uh, paying for parking or the or the tickets or the PSLs and seats. Bad enough you have to pay enough. Just that alone, in order for us, in order for us to enjoy some football, stop ruining it, ruining it for us with the ticky tack, pathetic, stupid ref ball. It ruins the sport. It ruins the game. It makes the game choppy. It slows the game up. It ruins its flow. Enough. Let the game breathe, please. Enough with 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 the little ticky tack, little little petty, pathetic, soft penalties that you're calling. Enough. Let the game brave.
Jeez. Anyway, the st you know I knew the impossible Steelers weren't going to go in there and win the game. Again, losing a game like this is not is not is not going to be the game that that Steelers fans and and football fans and football aficionados and commentators are are going to look back and say, well, this is a loss that cost them the playoffs. No, we're not, because we knew, you know we're not going to get on them for this. The loss we are going to get on them for losing to Oakland and farting around with Ben Roethlisberger and his rib X-rays. And 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 putting uh and putting uh I think Josh Dobbs in at a quarterback, whatever the dopey uh, backup quarterback is, I forget the bald headed the bald headed guy from uh, from Tennessee. You all know who I'm talking about. But you know losing to Oakland, even the Bungles beat the living crap out of the Oakland Raiders. The Bungles and you guys are, are probably gonna beat them to a pulp. Uh, the tomorrow too, but the Bungles even beat the Oakland Raiders. I mean, what's you guys' excuse? I mean, with the Ben Roethlisberger and the, the X-ray room, and then Chris Boswell doesn't know how to make a field goal, and he sits there and tries to kick it for the win, and he freaking slips and falls on his face and falls on and uh, falls on his behind. That game is going to cost you. Another game is going to cost you is losing to Denver. I mean, really. And Ben Roethlisberger would, and just the stupid and just the stupid amount and the stupid turnovers that were committed in that game. Those two games are the reasons why, if Baker Mayfield doesn't take care of business in Baltimore, those are going to be the reasons why you guys missed the playoffs. Not losing to the Saints. No, no, not Juju Smith Schuster. Juju Smith Schuster. I hope he's listening. I already isn't, but I hope. But you know, who knows? But I hope. Juju Smith, I I felt so bad for him. You know, he fumbled the ball. I'm pretty just thinking inside. I just cost my team this one of this season. You know, I put them in a. You know, the guy was balling. Hey, I felt so bad for Juju Smith Schuster. But the bottom line is, and I, I don't know, so, but the bottom line is, Juju Smith Schuster fumbling the football is not going to cost the Saints or the Saints. Not going to cost the Steelers the season. What's going to cost the Steelers their season is them once again play, being ill prepared and playing down to the competition, losing on the road against against the Raiders when they had no business losing to the Raiders. That was a that, that was that was a gimme. Now, excuse me. Now they could. Now they could be eight. Now they could be nine, five, and one instead of eight, six, and one. Cause you know they beat the Patriots. They be, They really should have over. They should have ten wins by now. They should have beat Denver, and they sh and they should have beat and should have beat Oakland. Two teams and two games they had no business losing to. None. With the Broncos, it was every single way you look, it was in a, it was turnovers. Whether whether it be James Conner fumbling or whether it be Ben Roethlisberger throwing bonehead ass nine interceptions. In the Raider game, with with the conflict about Ben Roethlisberger and the dopey X ray machine. And on top of the fact that that Chris Boswell couldn't make a freaking field goal to save his life, and his life depended on it. That's gonna be, that's gonna be the place that's gonna cost Pittsburgh their season.
Not, not not losing to the Saints. You beat Brady and Belichick. <laughs> that that's that's enough. Plenty. That's enough. Plenty. We knew. We all knew they weren't going to do the impossible. Going to New Orleans and beat the Saints. Some some people were lucky. It was, some people were shocked that the game was even as close as it was. Thirty one twenty eight. Juju Smith Juju has nothing to be ashamed of. Athletes, they all make mistakes. They all have bad games. They all do that one stupid bonehead uh, decision, or or do something dumb, or cough up the game late that 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 costs their team. It it happens. What 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 it proves a real champion, and what and what separates the men from the boys is: Are you able to rebound the next time out? I mean, look look at Marcus Williams. Look at look at him. Look at him. Miss miss the tack miss the tackle, and in the uh, NFC divisional playoff game against the Vikings back in January. Now who knows? He could be put in a situation where he makes a game saving tackle to send the Saints to the Super Bowl. You never know. But Juju Smith shouldn't be beating him up on himself. At least he shouldn't him personally. But his teammates and him as he and him as by I mean him him the Steelers as a team should be. Not for losing against the Saints, but for but for urinating all over themselves against Denver and against Oakland. I mean, I, Drew Brees did Drew Brees things. 27 for 39, 26 passing us and a, and a touchdown thrown. Michael Thomas, a touchdown catch, 11 or 709 yards. I mean, come on now. We, we can't get, you know, that is, if I'm a sister fan, that's not going to bother me. What's going to bother me is, is the fact that you guys lost to the Raiders and the Broncos. Because if you guys end up missing the playoffs, that's going to be two games that you guys is going to be like pulling your hair out until until uh, August, until this until next August, next September. Because you guys are going to be like, we missed the playoffs because we couldn't take care of business between the Oakland Raiders and the Denver Broncos. And then Denver goes into Oakland Christmas Eve and gets absolutely smacked around by by a three win Raider team. And and then the Raiders play the play the Bengals a few weeks later and get absolutely trampled by Joe Mixon by himself. I mean Joe Mixon was a one man band out there and was absolutely trampling that Raiders defense to shreds. Steelers are in real trouble. Yeah, I mean, none of us say the Pittsburgh Steelers are in some real trouble. And once again, they'll have no one else to blame but themselves. Switching gears to the Seahawks and the Chiefs. The Chiefs came into Seattle last Sunday night 
against the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks needing a win to clinch a playoff berth coming off of a really a game they had no business losing to either against the San Francisco 49ers. Meanwhile, the Chiefs coming off of a loss at home against the Los An- against the Los Angeles Chargers. Seahawks on the game 38-31. Russell Wilson did Russell Wilson things again. Why is he not in the Pro Bowl? I have no idea. And why he just doesn't get as much credit and as much love and attention that the shiny new toy Patrick Mahomes is getting and and the and the you know and the pretty boy of the league that is Rodgers and Brady's getting I have no idea. Russell Wilson was eighteen for twenty nine with two hundred and seventy one passing yards, three touchdowns in the game. Chris Carson had a great game, twenty seven carries, hundred and sixteen rushing yards, two touchdowns in the game. Doug Ball in seven receptions, 126 receiving yards and a touchdown in the game. Tyler Lockett, four receptions, 99 receiving yards as well. I mean, the Seahawks are for real. The the Seattle Seahawks are a, a danger. They are the Ravens are the same in the AFC. The Seahawks are the same in the NFC. Both both those two teams have p- playoff experience. And have won a Super Bowl within the past within within the past five years. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I would not ooh won Super Bowls back to back years. Ravens first Seahawks, but I'm telling you, I would not under any circumstances more Seattle over the Ravens. But still, I would not under any circumstances would. And if I and if I'm the Rams, I'm shivering in my boots because. The Seahawks came also close, you know, if Pete Carroll had not called a timeout, you know, back in October when they first played in Seattle and, you know, and let the Rams punt the football, whatever, they possibly, they would have beat the Rams in that game. And if, you know, and if the receivers could, couldn't, wouldn't have had a few, when they had bad drops and if, you know, Russell Wilson hadn't been uh, harassed by that Rams pass rush when they played in November, they would have won that game. So, if I'm the Rams, and the Rams who have not been playing great football as of late under any circumstances, if I'm the Rams, I do not, and under any circumstances, want to play the Seattle Seahawks again because they almost beat them twice. It's only going to be a matter of time where third time's a charm and Russell Wilson goes in there and tears that Rams defense to absolute shreds. I mean, that is a team. Pete Carroll, Russell, they've been there before. They've been there before. That is that is a team that that you know. Not I'm not. Saints still the best team in the NFC. Saints I think are still the best team in football. Saints I say are still my favorite to win the NFC and to win the Super Bowl. But the Seahawks are one of my dark horses that could that you know, or one of my dark horses that could that one of my dark horses, one of my wild cards to sneak in and make it to the Super Bowl because the way Russell Wilson has been playing this season needs to get more credit and more attention. And as Colin and Colin Cowher put it absolutely perfectly on the money in his opening monologue on Christmas Eve, he put 
it's like the you know everyone you know wants the shiny new toy and Patrick Mahomes is a shiny new toy with great talent and everything else but Russell Wilson outplayed Patrick Mahomes on Sunday there is no way to dispute that hands down he outplayed Patrick Mahomes outplayed him and that Seahawks running game it has not been this good since Marshawn Lynch was back there. But that running game has found itself. They've, resurrect, they've resurrected that running game. This is a team that people expected to be more of 8-8, eight and 7-9, eight, and 6-10, and 5-11. This is a team that people predicted that wasn't going to be very good. You know, average, mediocre at best. And what a phenomenal job by Pete Carroll, who got a f- contract extension afterwards. Totally deserves it. This is a team at 9-6, and six, plays the, the hapless, disgusting Arizona Cardinals. Most likely, if they, you know, the most likely they're probably going to go 10-6 and six to end the regular season. One bad thing, though, their secret weapon is, play- is having home playoff games and, uh, in uh, Seattle, which they won't get, but still, do Seahawks are a scary, scary, scary team in the NFC uh, playoffs. Going to their opposition, the Kansas City Chiefs, they got to fix their defense. I mean, Ru- Russell Wilson is a beast, but the guys they have around him are not top-tier, you know, best-in-the-league talent. I mean, Jimmy Graham... You know, he's, you know, he's a name, you know, he's a household name, but he isn't there anymore. Uh, of course, no Marshawn Lynch. And he's, and Russ Wilson really has never had those top name wide receivers. You know, the A.J. Greens, the Julio Jones, the Antonio Browns, the Juju Smiths, the uh, Keenan Allen, the Tyree Kills, the uh, Odell Beckham. He's never had any of those receiving wise. But for that defense, give up 38 points. Holy moly. Again, I said it after the Ram game. I said it after the Charger game. This t- Their defense is the going to be the reason why they are not going to the Super Bowl. Patrick, I don't care if Patrick Mahomes throws for 500 yards and 10 touchdown passes and completes... 91% of his uh, completes 95% of his passes and and uh and Damian Williams rushes for 200 yards and Ty, and Tyree Kill has a has a uh, 210 receiving yard type of type of game with three touch I don't care if that defense cannot hold their opponents to at least 21 points at least they have no chance in in hoisting the Lombardi, the Lombardi Trophy in February. No chance. I'll get to three quick things in the NFL. I also want to touch on, including uh, I've had it. I've just about had it with Baker Mayfield. I'll touch on that. The Cowboys and how they are going to they are going to get stomped on in the playoffs they come to the NFC East I get to them I get to Andrew Luck and the Colts and what a phenomenal job he and Frank Reich have done this season I'll get to that right after this Welcome back to the Amatel like a TIS podcast Switching gears doing part 2 of my week 16 NFL recap 
Switching gears to run down three things right quick. First two th- before I uh, get over a break into week seven and then go over the week 17 playoff implications and picks. Then that's the end of the program. But first, I want to do the touch on the Indianapolis Colts for about five minutes. What a job they've done, huh? They've won eight out of their last nine games after starting one and five to begin the season. Now they are at nine and six with a chance to make to get the sixth seed in the in the uh, AFC in the AFC wild card. They have a they're going to play they go on the road excuse me go on the road to play the um, Tennessee Titans who also are at nine and six. So it's nine and six versus nine and six. Both teams have guaranteed a winning record uh, this season. This is like the first. First winning season the Colts have had in about a few seasons, I think, since they played the Patriots in the AFC Championship game back in 2014. I'm not positive, but I think that's pretty close. But winning their end, they get the sixth seed in the uh, AFC Wild Card. Loser goes home. It's going to be the uh, Sunday night football season finale on NBC. What a job Frank Reich and Nick and uh, Andrew Luck have done. I mean, how about that? I mean, starting one and five and then turning it around and still believing you're in this thing, like still having confidence with yourself, with each other, and just going out and just not giving up on each other and just going out and just continue to fight. That shows great heart and great great, uh, courage and just... Great grit that team has. Andrew Luck was 31 for 47 with 357 passing yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. I mean, shout out to him and Frank Wright. What a great, phenomenal job by them. What, 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 a, what, a, what, a, what a great job. What a great, great job. Do the Dodds Cowboys for 30 seconds. They won the division against famous Jameis and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but who really cares about that? Bottom line is Cowboys won their division. They're not going to make any noise in the playoffs. They're going to sit up here and fall flat on their face in front of a nationally televised audience in front of America like they always do. Ain't nothing new underneath the sun. Giants, not the Giants, the uh, Cowboys, you know, same old dopey team. Dak Prescott is a pedestrian quarterback who puts up pedestrian numbers but knows when to perform, when it counts. Zeke Elliott is a, deep, is a good running back. He's nothing great, nothing fan, fantastic. Their defense, their defense is big time, though. But like I said, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. And that's just the Dallas Cowboys. Now watch Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. You go up in there a few in two weeks, because the odds are that's probably the team they're going to have to play. Watch Russell Wilson go march in the march into Dallas and then absolutely embarrass the the uh, Dallas Cowboys. I see it coming already. Nobody gives a crap about the Dallas Cowboys. Moving on, switching gears. One thing, then take a break and get to Week Seventeen playoff implications. That as far as as far as the games are concerned. And then I'll then do picks and then get on up out of here and watch uh, this college football. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have to do it again. I wish I hadn't had to do it again, do it again, but I have to do it again. I have to do it again because this guy, like a twelve-year-old child, will not let this go. 
I have to do this again. I have to get a little crazy. I have to get a little animated. I have to get a little loud. Because once again, Baker Mayfield, that immature, ignorant child he is, will not continue to let it go and get it through his thick, dopey southern skull that for the last time, Hugh Jackson went to Cincinnati because he had had a job with Cincinnati before, was good friends with Marvin Lewis, and for the last time he went there because he got fired from Cleveland and needed a job for employment for him to get paid. How many times is how many times is Baker when is he ever going to get this? When is it going to get through that thick skull of his that football is, that the National Football League is a business that people have jobs and, and and people and people get paid money to put food on the table and a roof over their head for not just them but their families as well. He got fired, kicked out, contract terminated. What do you expect him to do? He needs a job. He has had a history with working for Marvin Lewis in the past. Matter of fact, he had a job with Marvin Lewis. He was our offensive coordinator back in 2015 before you guys hired him. He is good friends with Marvin Lewis. He had a he has a history of working there in Cincinnati. What is the big deal? Because you're Baker Mayfield and you get your panties in a bunch because he sit up here. Well, he went to the rival, went down to Cincinnati. So what? I don't care if he went over. I don't care if Mike Tom called him up and he went to go coach in Pittsburgh. Get over yourself. Oh, look at my, I'm Baker Mayfield. Really? Can Baker Mayfield do something first before he starts walking around Walking around like a pompous, you know what, acting like he's done something. The Cleveland Browns have won a championship since the 1950s. Done nothing in 60 years. Right, right, 88. Do I have to bring him up? The the hiring and firing Belichick. Do I have to go there? I've said time and time and time again that he got fired and took a job. If the Cleveland Browns were to cut him tomorrow, I guarantee you he'd be on the street or or his agent will be calling up somebody trying to get him another job. And if the and if the and if the Cincinnati Bengals or the Pittsburgh Steelers Called up because they needed him at quarterback. Well, so be it. Because gosh darn it, he would need the money anyways. I don't think there's some big rivalry between... This is the first time you guys have swept the Cincinnati Bengals in 16 years. Congratulations. You've won nothing but bragging rights for 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 a state that's that football is so doggone dopey, no one gives a crap about. Whether it's Ohio State or whether it's the Bungles and the Brands, nobody cares. What you want to be Baker Mayfield and be all have your chest all pumped out and be all a little and be all a little cock, cocky and confident and pride of yourself because you swept the Bungles, really? 
What 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 do you want a what do you want a manicure, pedicure, some chocolate chip cookies, and a Christmas carol to sing you to sleep? Get lost. I mean, I, I've I've really had enough. I mean, I, I, I I've had enough of him. Can Baker Mayfield go away? Win something. Get the Cleveland Browns a build a winning culture in Cleveland. Have himself a winning season. Go to the playoffs. Win a playoff game or two. Make a Pro Bowl. You know, named an All Pro. Then you can sit up here and come talk to me. Win an MVP. Get your team to the conference championship game. Then you can come talking to me. But you are a rookie in the National Football. You've done nothing. Lamar Jackson is having more. As, uh, he was the last pick in the first round. And he's having more success than you are. You're the first pick. And are still, to a degree, hemming and hawing and clawing your way through. And he's a great talent in the National Football League. A great talent. But the last thing you need to do is start making enemies when you're just getting started. Have people hate you and have people despise you for your talent. Not because you're cocky, you're arrogant, you're full of yourself, you think you're hot stuff, and because you're running your mouth. Because the bigger they haul, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And Cam Newton had his own fall from grace. Remember that? Three years ago, Super Bowl 50, he absolutely spit the bit and vomited all over himself against the Denver Broncos in the game. And then sat up there and slouched and pouted like a four-year-old with the hoodie on after the game. And took like three questions and then walked off the stage. Remember that? I, I, I've had enough. Him staring down huge. Will you celebrate with your teammates and quit making this thing all about you? My gosh. Staring down Hugh Jackson like he's going to sit up there and go over there and fight him or something. Baker Mayfield, skip your happy hips down the field and celebrate with your teammates and leave Hugh Jackson alone. I've had enough. Can you leave the man alone? Let him breathe. Let him be part of the losing Bungles organization in peace. Please, he got kicked out the door. You probably requested for him to get kicked out the door. And now you're going to sit up here and throw a hissy fit and, and, and sit up here and cry and moan and groan because he takes another job? What is wrong with you? After you, that fraud, got out, out, out played for your job by Patrick Mahomes and you, and you got your high parts in a bunch and sat up here and skipped your happy hips to Norman, Oklahoma? How about that? That's last time I checked within the Big 12. And then, then, matter of fact, this time last year when you had a chance to prove yourself and and, 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 and prove your your muster as a a starting quarterback, 
and you sat up there and did not bring your team home in a Rose Bowl against Georgia last year? You want me to bring that up, Mr. Mayfield? I've had enough of him. Go out there and win something and become something before you start jawing your mouth. Because all you're going to do, because what you're going to do is going to end up getting your own guys hurt. And your, and your teammates going to have to pay the consequences because you can't learn when to shut your mouth up. And it's going to be a matter of time till you get your own self hurt too. Like, it's going to be one instance where, you know, you if you play the Bengals next year and Vontez, and Vontez Perfect, who may or may not be, but if he is going to be one of them instances where Vontez Perfect comes across the middle of the field and absolutely WWEs you and people aren't going to scream about it as much as they, as they would if it was, you know, Tom, you know, if it was uh, Drew Brees he did it to, but people's going to be like, well... You had it coming because you wouldn't because you wouldn't know when to shut up. And he sits up here and says, "Well, I have a chip on my shoulder." Really, you, you're the only quarterback that has a chip on his shoulder that uses that and uses that as motivation to propel you to win games. Tom Brady's had a chip on his shoulder since he was eight, since he was a early young adult back in the mid nineties when he was at Ann Arbor at Michigan. He's had a chip on his shoulder ever since that he wasn't the starting quarterback of that team. He had a chip on his shoulder then. He had a chip on his shoulder when all of those teams in all of those draft rounds back in 2000 passed on him. He's had a chip on his shoulder for almost 20 years. And, And to his credit, to his credit, even though I hate Brady with a raging passion, but to his credit, he keeps that chip on his shoulder personal to him. You don't see Brady talking trash. You don't see Brady staring down opposing coaches. You don't see Brady acting like acting like a smart aleck in front of the media. You don't see Brady doing that. Having a chip on your shoulder is fine, but when you do it to the point, you gotta like verbalize it and make the whole world and let it be known to the whole world that you have a chip on your shoulder and starting these stupid asinine beefs with the opponent for for stupid for stupid reasons that would make thirteen year old girls cringe at you. It's it's so stupid and so mind boggling. It makes you go like a complete idiot. And the Brady's credit. He doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve, which is something he ought to take a page out of Brady and do. You don't think Brady has a chip on his shoulder after all of these years? You don't think so? With deflate gate and not being recognized at Michigan and being overlooked in the draft? And then having to sit behind Drew Bledsoe for a year and a game and two games into the 2001 season, you don't you don't think he he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder then? It still does. Being outplayed by Joe Flacco in back-to-back AFC Championship games, losing an undefeated season in 2007 to the Giants, and then losing again in 2011. 
You don't think he's, he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder then? You don't think he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder when he had to come back from a 20, 28 to, to 6 lead, 28 to 3 lead against Atlanta in the Super Bowl a few years, two years ago? You don't think you don't have a chip on his shoulder that he got outplayed by a backup quarterback in this past year's Super Bowl? You don't think he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder then? Trust me, he does. The difference between you and him is that Tom Brady is smart enough to realize that A, not not everybody cares what he thinks. B, there's a time and a place to let people know when you think. And C, he knows when he knows when to hold him, when to fold him, and just knows how to straight up get up from the table and walk away. And knows when to keep his emotions and, and, and to keep his thoughts to himself. And he knows when, when not to show lots of emotion. Knows when to, when, to, when to keep his emotions in check. With you, on the other hand, Baker Mayfield has fared not to do. And you ain't a speck on Tom Brady's you-know-what. I've had enough. Baker Mayfield, shut up and play football. You want to prove me something, Baker Mayfield? How about you go? How about you go in? How about you go in, into that place, into M&T Bank Stadium this time tomorrow? Why don't you go into M&T Bank Stadium in front of this, in front of those ruthless seventy-one thousand people screaming and yelling and and, and hooping it up in, 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 in that stadium? Why don't you go in front of them? Go in front of that fierce Ravens defense and go out there and spoil and and keep the Ravens from making the playoffs. How how about how about you do that? You, you can do that. You play a big game and you torch that Ravens and you torch that elite Ravens defense. Why why don't you go out there and do that instead of instead of giving us report cards on what you think about Hugh Jackson? A who 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 cares anymore? He's he's gone. He's employed. You have to have something else better to do than to worry about Hugh Jackson's whereabouts. That, that that's like me. That's like me dumping a girl. That's like me dumping a girl and then getting mad when, and then me getting mad when one of her one of her one of her little you know she 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 was friends with this dude. Before she before she got with me, she she kind of put her relationship with the dude on but she put her friendship with the dude on hold, and then started going out with me. So then I dump her, and then she goes back to the dude that she was hanging out before me. That's like me sitting up here and getting upset and and and, and being annoyed because she because she's back hanging out with him. You told her to piss off. What 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 what, uh, what else do you expect them to do? You can't sit, sit up there and, and and tell Hugh Jackson to kick rocks, and then when he finds someone else new and and, and finds another shoe that fits, and then you go on slipping and get mad at him because because he found another shoe. What type what type of ignorant bull is that? Seriously. Take a break through week 17 playoff implications right after this. All right, welcome back to the Amatel Akitayas podcast. Uh, let's go over week 17 playoff implications. I get to the picks and then I head on up, take a break, then do the picks, and then get on up out of here for this episode. 
Um, the Chiefs currently hold the number one seed in the AFC. They still they have the they could end up either the one, the two, or the five seed, depending on how they and the Los Angeles Chargers do tomorrow. Meanwhile, the Patriots they have a chance to be the one, the two, the three, or the five seed, depending on how they do tomorrow. The tech the right now the Colts hold the sixth seed, uh hold the sixth seed in the AFC. They would play the Houston Texans next weekend if they were to go if they were to go on the road and play the Tennessee Titans uh when they go and play the Tennessee Titans tomorrow, they would get the sixth seed and they would play for the third time this season, their division rival, who both who they lost the division by one game by the Houston, at least right now, the Houston Texans. Meanwhile, if the season ended today, Los Angeles would have to go into the Ravens and they would play each other for the second time in three weeks as the Ravens hold the division lead in the AFC North. But in order for the Steelers, who are a half a game out of the wild card and the division, they would need the Ravens to lose and them to beat the Bungles in order for them to win the division. But yeah, but in order for them to make the wild card, they would have to win and they would have to have the Colts and Titans game practically end in a tie. So they would have to beat the Bungles and they'd have to hope for Tennessee and Indianapolis to tie because if the Pist- if the Steelers were to win they'd be eight, six and one. And if the if the St- if the Steelers win they'd be nine, six and one. And if the Colts and Titans tied, they'd be nine, six and one. And I think the Steelers have the tie breaker over did they I'm not sure if they play one of those two teams, but um, but I read on info.com you know, that's what they would have to take in order for them to make it as a wild card. Titans and Colts to tie, and the Steelers would have to win. So, and the chances of that happening, you know, it's pretty slim. No one like predicts a tie. So they're trying to pull for the division in the AFC. The NFC is not as complicated. The Saints. The Saints have clinched home field advantage because, of course, even if the Rams were to win tomorrow and they were to, and the Saints were to lose tomorrow, the Saints hold a tiebreaker over the Rams when they played back in uh, November. So the Saints, you know, they beat Pittsburgh last week, so they clinched the number one seed. And meanwhile, the meanwhile the third seed and two seed. Is still up for grabs between the Bears and the Rams. If the Rams were to lose tomorrow and the Bears were to win, because the Bears beat the Rams earlier in the season, if the Bears win and the Rams lose, the Bears would get the number two seed in the NFC and the Rams would get the three seed. But if both teams win, I think, I think, now, if both teams win, the Rams would get the two seed because the Rams would become thirteen and three, and the Bears would be twelve and four. So, the Bears have to hope 
they win and hope the Rams lose tomorrow in order for them to get the number two seed. If both teams win tomorrow, then the Rams get the number two seed by virtue of of having one more win than the Bears do. The in the wild card, it's in a wild card. The Eagles are a half game out of the division. If you if we play the eighteen game schedule, they would still be right there for the division. But because you know they couldn't take care of business against the uh, Cowboys earlier in the year, they lost for the division. But they're half a game out the wild card, so they would need. Seattle has it locked up, so what they would have to do, they'd have to hope for the Bears to beat the Vikings and to make the Vikings eight, seven, and one and the and the and they would have to take care of business. Tomorrow I believe at Washington to make them nine nine and seven. So They'd have to hope for the Bears to beat the Vikings and then the and then the Eagles would have to win tomorrow in order for the Eagles to get the sixth seed, which they would have to go on the road and play Chicago. Uh Dallas and Seattle looks pretty much concrete for next weekend. Both teams that sitting at uh nine and six, the five and four seed. That looks pretty concrete. There, uh, take a break. Yeah, I gave you, I gave you your playoff scenarios. I take a break, do week 17 picks in a league where they play for pay right after this. Welcome back to I'm a Tell Like a TIS podcast. Last thing, it's always how we have we've closed in every show this NFL season. For the 17th time, not for the final time this season, but for the 17th and final time for the regular season, giving my Week 17 picks in the NFL in a league where they play for pay. The Lions at the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay's favorite at minus 7.5 points. I'll take Green Bay to win the game, but I'll take Detroit plus 7.5. I'll take Green Bay to win 27-20. to 20. Jags and Titans, or it's not Titans, Texans. Texans favored at minus a touchdown. I'll take Houston to win the game. Twenty-four, uh, four, uh, geez, twenty-four to seventeen. Jets at Patriots. Patriots favored at minus thirteen and a half. I'll take the Pats to win the game. Thirty-one seventeen. Panthers and New Orleans. New Orleans favored at minus nine points. No Cam Newton in the game. He's shut down for the rest of the year. I'll take the Saints to win the game 28-17. Cowboys and Giants. Giants favored at minus 6.5 points. I'll take the Giants to win when what could be Eli's final game as a Giant. You just never know. But I'll take the Giants to win 23-16. Falcons and Buccaneers. Buccaneers favored at minus a point. I'll take the Buccaneers to win the game 31-28. The Dolphins at the uh, Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills favored at minus 3.5 points. I'll take Miami to win the game, and I'll take them with the 3.5 points. I'll take them to win 20-17. Eagles at Washington. Eagles need to win this game in order for them to keep their six-seed hopes alive. Washington was out of it with their loss against the Titans last Saturday. 
I'll take Philadelphia to win the game 27-17. Cleveland, Baltimore, Baltimore win and they're in and they get the AFC North for the first time since their Super Bowl season in 2012. Ravens favored at minus six points. I'll take the Ravens to win the game 23-20, to but I'll take Cleveland with the plus six points. Chargers at Denver. Chargers trying to win the trying to win trying excuse me trying to win the division and hope they don't get the fifth seed. They're just trying to take care of business against the Denver Broncos. Chargers have faded at minus six and a half points. I'll take the Chargers to win twenty six seventeen. San Francisco and the Rams. The Rams trying to Rams trying to. Uh, what are they? I don't even think they. Yeah, they don't even. I don't even think they have any uh anything up for. Do they? No, they. No, they don't. Yeah, so Rams, they're just you know playing with house money. They are going up against San Francisco. Rams favored at minus ten points. Rams will win the game thirty to twenty. Arizona at Seattle. Nothing special about that game. Seattle's favorite at minus 13.5 points. I'll take Seattle to win 31-10. Bungles at Pittsburgh. Remember, the season fell apart for my Bungles when they last played back in October in Cincinnati. We were flying high until we ran into a bus. All it was the Pittsburgh Steelers. An absolute dagger to the heart that was uh, like an 80 80 something uh, Antonio Brown, uh, like a 70 something uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, Catch and run to win the game in the closing seconds back in October. Pittsburgh needs to win this game and some help from Baker Mayfield and the Browns in order for them to win the AFC North. Pittsburgh fed at minus 14.5 points. I'll take the Steelers to win 28-14. Oakland and Kansas City. Kansas City minus 13.5 points. They also are trying to win the division. Kansas City will win the game 17-31. Chicago at Minnesota. Chicago trying to get the second seed in the NFC. In the NFC, the Rams did have something, but I knew it was something. The Rams trying to hold on to the uh, number two seed in the NFC. Chicago trying to take it from them as they go on to play the Vikings. Vikings made at minus five points. I'll take Chicago to win the game, and I'll take Chicago plus the five points. I'll take Chicago to win twenty to fourteen. And the Sunday night game, the season finale of Sunday night football, the only primetime game, of course, week 17, is Indianapolis at Tennessee. Indianapolis is favored at minus three points. I'll take Indianapolis to win the game. And to get the sixth seed, I'll take them to win the game 24-21. to 21. Well, that's, this has been another episode of Amatelic at TIA's podcast. I sure hope you enjoyed yourself because I sure did. If this is your first time listening and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Give me a star rating now at the bottom. Write a review. Tell me what you think. I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, be sure to click that following button on that tab right below the uh, app, right below the podcast uh, title. And I hope you enjoyed it. I'm your host, Josh Shields. Enjoy the 2018 college football playoff bowl games in week 17 in the NFL. I'll have it, I'll 
have an episode. Uh, actually, I'll do an episode Christmas, uh, not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. I plan on doing an episode recapping the college football playoff in week 17, getting you all prepared for the NFL playoffs. So I'll see you Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve. Gee, was. I'll see you <laughs> New Year's Eve on Monday. I'll talk to you New Year's Eve on Monday. God bless, take care, and enjoy the football.